0: Maybe may be seated. <laughs> I, I, it's for, for any wonder why I have notes, we all know I'm a little long-winded at times. Um, so this just keeps me in check, if you're ever wondering. This makes sure I stay on track and we don't get too, too ahead of ourselves. So this is a tough one, huh? Don't hear these that often. I know what you're thinking. How is Pastor Alex going to do the theological gymnastics to make this really good news for us? How's he going to dodge the fire, the divisions, the hypocrites and fools? Well, guess what? I'm not. We're, we're marching right through, folks. We're going on a bear hunt. Can't Got to go through it, you know? Uh, but you're right. I am going to look for the good news in this because I do think there is something really great to be said here, a word of challenge and a word of promise and hope. I ask, what do we do with scripture lessons sometimes that confront us? What do you do with it? What do we do with those Scripture passages that challenge us? What do we do with, and here's the big one, what do you do with lessons that divide? That can divide families, household. Today's lesson comes after Jesus, it says in the Scriptures, has given out some warnings and some encouragements. And this is a good mix, I think. He has settled the dispute of those uh, the brothers. You guys remember the lesson, hey, tell my brother to split the inheritance he tells the story of the rich fool. And finally, he gets to this point because the disciples have been asking more and more questions every time he tells a lesson like, is that for us or for them? Are you teaching us something? What? And finally, Jesus says, I need to lay this out here. My message is for all people and it is challenging and it will at times feel very divisive. The wisdom I'm sharing, he says, will sound like foolishness. The message I'm saying will pit family against family, and like fire, it will spread. That is very intense. And as a Lutheran, I'll admit, where's the grace, baby? I want grace. I want that good news. I want to know about forgiveness. As a Lutheran, I struggle with these texts because traditionally, I don't recall sitting in church or sleeping, as my son is doing, in church Um, and hearing lots of stories about division and fire. I don't remember that. This doesn't sound right. I feel like you've probably all heard this before, but I've heard it. Um, Jesus the divider doesn't sound good to me. But in truth, I've heard us talk about that as a body of Christ. I've seen it. I've heard in my limited career as a pastor, I've heard many people say, the church should not talk about divisive matters social issues, political issues. Let's just stick to the Bible, they say, which is about social and political issues. Spoiler alert. It's divisive. It is. We're talking about divisive things, but we want something that unites us. We want something that builds us up, and I don't disagree. But here it is, plain and simple. My message will divide families. Word of God that will divide and disrupt. To ignore this word would be so disingenuous about the cost of discipleship. The burden isn't heavy, Jesus says. My yoke is light, but it's still a burden. It's still a yoke. And to ignore this would be disingenuous. We can't ignore the fact that following the will of God will at times put us at odds with one another. Sometimes at odds with our own self, our own identity. Have you ever heard a word from God that has convicted you? confronted you, challenged you, or changed you. Teachings that that leave us asking the question, am I one of those fools they're talking about? Am I a hypocrite? I wonder, what do you guys think these matters are that Jesus, can you think of any of these lessons, teachings of Jesus that would split a home in two? I bet you can't. Let's go through some of the really like, just basic Jesus teachings. Um, how about sell all your possessions and follow me, right? That might divide a household. Can you imagine parents working, maybe they have like a family business. They give it to the oldest son. The oldest son goes, great news, I've found Jesus. I'm selling the family business and giving all the money to the poor, and I'm going to go hang out with my friends. Life of poverty and faithfulness. I bet you the parents would go, Great! So happy for you. I bet your siblings would be like, why did they do that? All that effort this family put into this? Could you imagine how frustrating that would be, how that could divide a home? Think of that in their time as well. We just heard the story of the uh, Good Samaritan, right? That there were their prejudice, right? There would have been people of Judea that would have said the Samaritans are a repulsive, awful people. Oh, terrible. So much conflict between our two people. But perhaps in light of this teaching of Jesus, perhaps there are someone from Samaria, someone from this area of the world, what if they were to get married? Because you know what? They've determined these differences are nothing in the light of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now imagine those parents going, wow, I'm wondering about this Jesus character here. That is not going to be the parent to my grandchild. They would be disturbed by this. Could you imagine being told by a bunch of faithful people in their time, hey, so we're going to have Shabbat right now. We're going to break bread. Uh, I've invited a tax collector over. Who? You know, the ones that take all of our money and give it to Rome to offer, you know, offerings to gods we don't worship. They're like, yeah, I know who the tax collector is. I see him often. He's coming here? Yeah, for worse, to, like break bread because... Because we're on a team now. And they're like, not my team. What are you doing? That happened. That's who Jesus hung out with. Tax collectors, sinners, outcasts, people you would have called a traitor. Imagine that. These are examples. All of these are examples of something like an outsider, an enemy, um, some sort of wild, reckless generosity. Whatever it is, it's about flipping things, making the inside outside, the outside inside. These are examples of the stranger or even the enemy being called friend. Freeing an enemy from being an enemy anymore. And that, for many, is a bridge too far. Because at its core, the message Jesus is talking about will challenge us, and it will divide because it will challenge our sense of belonging. It'll challenge Whom we belong to. When Jesus tears down our divisions and calls them us, it makes us worry that maybe I'm not me anymore. Maybe I don't belong anymore. The old ways, the divisions, the old ways of rivalry, the old ways of prejudice, they are going away, Jesus says. I will create a feast for all people. And sadly, those divisions, those rivalries, those prejudices, these are the things that have been, unbeknownst to us, sources of our sense of belonging. I call that a human peace. I'm over here. You're over there. We disagree. This should keep things quiet. (laughs) There's no reconciliation. There's no restoration here. Think of our ways of peace, peace through punishment, peace through payback, peace through uh, you stay on your side, I stay on mine, peace through we don't really mix with folks like that. That's a peace we know. Peace through separation, through division, peace through deciding who is good and who is bad. But when that separation is no more, When, as the psalm says, all nations, all differences, all people, all cultures, they belong to God. Well, then who's in? Who's out? Who am I? This message, Jesus says, will divide because it will disrupt our peace. I want us to hear this loud and clear today, and remember this when you are feeling a bit unsettled, perhaps rudderless, wondering, do I belong? The word, the promise, the kingdom, the mission, it will absolutely, I hope it will challenge you. In fact, sometimes it will cause us to break, it will cause us something less than a peaceful, comforting experience. It'll often confront us. King David, you know, pinnacle of excellence, God's chosen one, first one they start calling Messiah, right? David goes through a series of challenging events in his life, and when his world is rocked, he has a lesson for us in Psalm 51 that I think about a lot. When he's confronted with whether or not he is who he thinks he is, whether or not he really is worthy of being God's chosen one, whether or not he was right or wrong, good or bad, evil or otherwise... He asks God not for peace. He says, I need you to crush me. Break me. Reduce me to rubble. Why? Because I need to be remade. That does not feel peaceful. David knew, even as the most popular rock star king in all of literature, he knew that his ways, though powerful, his ways that made him loved by the people, his ways were not always of God. He knew he was not a finished product. He knew he was a king. He knew he was a father. He knew he was a servant of God and a warrior, but he also was aware that he was a murderer. He also was aware at times he was a traitor. He was aware at times he lusted that he had enemies and he plotted and had prejudice against them. He knew these were not God's ways. And he said, Lord, I need a rebuild. (laughs) I need a rebuild. He asked to be refined. He asked to be remade. He even, he will say a later thing where he says, "Um, wash me. And that always sounds good. We say wash, and all of us think of babies at a baptism, I think. It's just ingrained in us. But I want you to think of how you washed clothes in the olden days. It's not out yet. That, that's what he meant. Wash me. Beat me against a rock. That's not Peace. <laughs> That's being remade, that's being undone. That is division. And I think of that, it's like resetting a broken bone. It's painful, but it is a step of this healing process. I think of that pain that comes from uh, removing a splinter. I don't know why this is such a vivid memory in my childhood. About the amount of times I stepped on sand spurs in Florida and had one of those things in my foot real deep. And I'm like, I think I'm just going to leave it there. Because I don't want to deal with my mom getting it out because the things I would say to her, they are completely unfair while she was getting that out. But she was like, I'm sorry, but I didn't come to bring peace. I came to get this splinter out (laughs) and it's coming out and you'll be better for it, pain and all, because I can't leave it there. It'll get an infection. See, sometimes there are those things, this word is just not made to comfort. The word is not always made to just comfort. It's also made to remake. And as frustrating as that can be in the midst of the rebuilding process, it is truly a good thing. This is my prayer for myself, for all of you, for the church in general, for all people who seek to follow Jesus, that God would continue to remake us. Every day. Every day made new. Every day I pray that God as divisive as God's Word can be, may seem in the midst. As rudderless as I may feel when I'm challenged to see myself alongside my enemies, however shamed I feel when God calls out my prejudice, I know that's not the last word. You're like, so God wants this pain and division. That's not the last word. Division is not the last word. It's a word, (laughs) but not the last word. Thankfully, we know the last words. The last word is healing. This is a spoiler if you haven't read the Bible. God wins at the end. The last word is restored. The last word is reconciled. The last word is welcomed. The last word, regardless of what you feel, is you belong. We all belong. Like it or not. (laughs) Amen.